Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome into 11 personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett here to talk some Kentucky football at the conclusion of the 2020 regular season. Luckett, we weren't sure if we were ever going to get one of these. It feels like just yesterday I was losing my mind over the SEC schedule release announcement. And don't look now, but Kentucky's played 10 football games and has called it a year. I don't know about everyone else, but the COVID year has kind of moved fast for me. Um, Cause I, I guess there's not the usual checkpoints mm-hmm. of a normal calendar where it's like, Oh, this point now I have this many days until this happens or we've got this or that. It's just been, I don't know what's going to happen or when it's going to get here. So yeah, it's time just kind of goes by a little faster, I guess. But well, that's just not from where I sit. I actually read something that it was, it was something to the effect of like uh, people who like psychologists and people who study memory were not mm-hmm. going to remember much from this year because there wasn't anything as eventful. And I think it's flown by because we just get kind of ground into the daily routine of things. And then you just mm-hmm. look up and you're like, Oh God, it's Saturday, you know? So on one hand, it's, it's kind of flown by and that's a good thing. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, it, it, at least Kentucky, they're wrapping up the season and there's still more games to go. It's going to be bizarre having Army Navy this Saturday and there's like it's pretty much a full slate. Well, like just having regular, like Kentucky plays Notre Dame at noon in basketball. And it's just going to, it's going to be in the middle of a college football Saturday. So that, that in itself is going to be weird. Can I just say that I, I volunteered to attend that game and what an idiot. Like, <laughs> God. Yeah, it's um for like every every reason, but you know, yeah, I, I got the YouTube TV app. I can I can watch some football games while the basketball game's going on. Well, you didn't hear me say that. You nobody heard me say that. I'm not going to be not doing my job while I'm at Reparina. I'm going to be doing my job. Back to the football game. Kentucky played South <laughs> Carolina Saturday, uh, and it was Senior Day. Adam Luckett and Kentucky scored 41 points against the South Carolina defense. Had 16 players. And I think if they really wanted to, they could have hung like a sixty burger on them. That 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 South Carolina defense, yeah, I mean Jamie Robinson and, and not a whole lot left to it. Jamie Robinson and the JV team, or Jamie Robinson <laughs> and the JV team for sure. The thing with that game was it was pretty obvious they were trying to get Terry Wilson and AJ Rose some numbers, um, at least from where I was sitting, um, because they were throwing it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, three possessions in the second half. Chris Rodriguez mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, seen that before. And you're wondering where he's at. And then he sh- shows back up when it kind of got a little tight, where okay. you kind of needed a couple first downs, and just rips off a 79 yard touchdown. <laughs> so I, you know, offensively, they I, it was a weird year because when they played some bad teams, they really lit some people up mm-hmm. offensively. 
Right. But when they played anybody with a pulse defensively, they just couldn't do anything all season. It was just the weirdest year in that regard. The one I I knew that they were going to shoot for the Rose number pretty early. Like I, I knew that before the game. I knew that going into the game, they were going to try yeah. to get him to to pass Mark Logan to be tenth on the uh, all time rushing list uh, in school history. He did that pretty easily. And hell, if if one was a handoff instead of a pitch pass, he would have got there a lot quicker. But AJ actually played just a, a good game overall. The, uh, his last month of the season, he was really good. It was probably the best ball he played his whole career. Which last year, like he his best game probably of the whole year was Belk Bowl. And mm-hmm, Rose doesn't strike me as a gets better as the season goes along type of back. Um, but that was the case for him. So happy to see him have a have a real solid game to to go out on high note. Yeah, just all the seniors in general to win like that um is good. And I like how that game was a little testy early. In the in the ball game, <laughs> you can, I, I like this South Carolina Kentucky rivalry that's kind of going on right now. I like that Kentucky doesn't like them. I like that South Carolina doesn't like them. It'll be interesting to see how it rolls on now with uh-huh. Shane Beamer calling the shots and Muschamp moving on. But I like that. I think that I that this game is always a little. It's always a little chippy. This game every year. There's a little extra shoves going on after the whistle <laughs> and you saw that early in the game that's uh, the two teams going at oh, it a little bit and the thing was like it if i was on the south carolina side that's all i would just be out there to fight people like i mean you're not going to win the game so you know you might as well just like beat some people up so i'm right i'm i'm totally with it i don't blame them one bit and i love that austin dotson like you got belfry getting in the middle of it all <laughs> like he was he was yeah. in the middle of every single bit of it and uh, Freddie said it on the on the radio show on Monday. The time he got flagged, it was probably the least sportsmanlike or the least unsportsmanlike he was after all of his extra. Yeah, that one wasn't even that bad. It was just kind of <laughs> not saying he did it on accident, but it was just a slight little jab. But oh. yeah, he he mixes it up. Uh, he could play for my team <laughs> any day, any sport, yeah, yeah, whatever. Holy crap! All right, so is Justin Tucker hurt or is he out? Is there something wrong? She might be in COVID. Well, I think is he number nine for the Ravens? Yeah. He just missed a chip shot. Well, that's there you go. This is so first off, we're doing we're Tuesday night football, shocking enough as is. But Tucker, he makes a field goal, then they get like a false start. They move him back five yards and he hooks it. Wow, that's weird. And it's so shocking. Also shocking that my Pittsburgh Steelers finally lost a football game to the Washington football team. Of all people, but I was I was watching that game yesterday, and the football team they have some dudes on defense now. Man, Chase Young does not look like a rookie. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, who got that batted ball in the interception. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Allen, who used to wreck dudes at Alabama. Man, yeah, John Bostick, who about tore off Teddy Bridgewater's helmet or head in the Sugar Bowl. He did tear off his helmet. <laughs> yeah, about to Arvin said did tear off his helmet. They have some dudes on defense. Right. They they do. And it was it was not a good look for our our, our guy Benny Snell. Not not a great no, game. I did, yeah. I, I didn't see that live, but I saw the replay of that. And I only saw the fourth down one where Eric Ebron wanted no part of chipping Chase Young and he just went clean and tackled him before he could even get to the line of scrimmage. So some of it was 
those guys just being nasty and giving him nowhere to go. And like one play, the center like snapped it off of his leg and Benny just had to pick it up and run mm-hmm. or else it was a fumble. So, but I don't know. I, I think the yeah. Steelers. Well, if Benny's going to get, get paid, he's got to, that's what he has to do. He's got to be able to score down there. Yeah, it was unfortunate because that's like I mean that's why they drafted him and he didn't get it in and hell if he gets in just that once uh, they had another fourth down near the red zone that they couldn't convert if they just get one of those two they win that football game but I'm going with the spin zone they needed to lose one anyway and apparently for tiebreaker sakes uh, I think the Chiefs only lost was to an NFC team so. It's good that they lost to an NFC team. So I'm just that, – that's how we're going to – Chiefs lost to the Raiders at home. They're AFC. Even, division even worse. Even worse. So Steelers still got the one seed. Boom. Boom goes the dynamite. Uh, but back to Kentucky, South Carolina. Uh, just, uh, Justin Rigg was another senior. Career high receiving yards. I just – like the, the – anytime a tight end catches a long pass – it's noteworthy, and there were three. <laughs> like every one of his, well, probably would have been more if Upshaw doesn't get hurt first series. He right. got hurt. He hurt his groin early, and we didn't see him after. I don't think the first series. And then Rig, he had really two catches on that that one scoring drive, back to back. I think, um, but it were like two catches for fifty something yards. So yeah, he had, he had some good moments. Terry had some good moments throwing the football. Overall, I mean, it's good, good performance defensively. That that was probably the worst to run defense looked all year. Kevin Harris pushed is around good. a little bit. Kevin uh, Harris I'll, is good, but not that. I don't think he's that good. Like he's good, but they made him look a little bit like Nick Chubb on Saturday. <laughs> some of those runs he got, some of those now, long I, runs. I wonder how people. much of that too was like, let's just kind of get out of here, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But you know, still inexcusable. But. I mean, I, really, the most inexcusable of all things. I don't. I don't know what was more like. Oh my god, are you kidding me? The they get the ball back right before halftime at like the thirty and can't score a touchdown, or the fake punt at the in the fourth quarter. I, I don't know which one was more like. Come on, just can you can you what really? Yeah, the the first one. We're still doing this. It's harder to. Obviously, the field's condensed, so it makes things a little more difficult. And Terry missed a couple throws, I think. Um, if I'm yeah, trying, to, it, I'm trying it, to remember, he missed. I think the first play, he missed somebody who was open. Yeah, or no, it, it was a penalty. They had Daly down to the two, I think, and then they got called back. Well, he he, the Kentucky committed a penalty, and then Daly. That was the best ball and the best look they had, and the dude just tackled Allen Daly. There was one where Epps could have made a contested catch. And it just like went right through his arms, um, and then the other two were just off target. So, no, I don't know. That's I just, the stuff we've talked about with the passing game. Yeah, just it's stop. You knew that it wasn't going to end well. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, they're not they're not scoring a touchdown here. They should, but they're not going to. Like we just we know the story. It's been written before. And then on the special teams, I've been of the belief most of the season, like some of that stuff is a little overhyped. Like, anytime there's one mistake, if there's not a special teams coach, people are just going to blame it on that. Like, when Florida fakes that punt at their own 25 or whatever, yeah, on third, I mean, on fourth and eight, like, that's just a great call. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming, like, at all. You have punt left and your All-American punter punts it to the right. Like, 
that that can happen. But like that one down there, that that was one that was bad. And there's just been other moments. Kickoff return's been bad. Tisdale dropped a ball early in the game. Where Kentucky, Kentucky had to start at like their own nine yard line. And then there was they had that little pooch kicker that what something at the end, and there was a fumble. Kentucky uh, yeah. barely recovered that. Uh, Ali like pointed for somebody else to go get it and didn't like jump on it. And then you've had the whole issue with punt returns all year, not fair catching the ball. So I think there's definitely a reason for people to get upset and demand a special teams coach. I don't think it's maybe as bad as some do, but I think there's definitely a need for that. Well, the kicking game was still like Matt Ruffalo hit nine of 11 field goals this year. Yeah. And I don't think he missed one in like six games or something. Maybe he no one's, missed a long yeah. one against Alabama, I think. Yeah. No one's really talking about that, but like he had a really good year. Yeah. It was just the one time you can't miss, he missed. Mm-hmm. And that was an overtime extra point. But if, uh, otherwise, he had a great year. Uh, Duffy got left off of the Ray Guy Award list, even though. Did you see where they had a, a kicker from Indiana ranked like 46 in punting average? I know that the the numbers are so off this year because like the guy who's the top ranked punter nationally is only kicked in like three games. So mm-hmm. like the, you know you don't have an even sample size, but still to have the Indiana punter like what what's what's he done? <laughs> you know what's I wonder what his net punting average is that might have something to do with it. Yeah, and that college football stats. Looking it up right now and. He, yeah, it's not the best. Stuff. Duffy was Kentucky's twentieth in net punting average. That Florida return really killed him. Indiana's thirtieth, so yeah, he should, probably shouldn't be on yeah, there. I don't, I, I, don't I don't understand that at all. But hey, big year for Indiana. They're gonna everybody's gonna hype him up, and it doesn't take away from the season Max had last year. Uh, in hell, he had, he hit some great some some great dingers last Saturday too. His first, the first half of the season, he was really good. I think the latter half wasn't his best, and then he got ruled out for COVID too. Right. He had also had a, a weird year, along with the rest of the team. Yeah, that's that's all. That's that's the in a nutshell, right there. Yeah, it was a weird year, but hell, it made it through, and now we're for a week away from signing day, Luckett, and. I feel like it's kind of creeping up and it's going to bite me in the ass. So I need to get on the uh, grindstone. But the good news, knock on wood, uh, up to this point, uh, you've seen a lot a lot of decommitments elsewhere, especially where there's been some volatility in the coaching ranks. Uh, you haven't seen that thus far. Um, now, it's only been two days since they decided to flip coaches, but uh, Armand's got only decommitment as of late. Uh, the next week is going to be a, a blitz to get to get, get all the stuff Wednesday. you need to know about this this upcoming uh, recruiting class. Mm-hmm. It, it's def like from where we stand right now, it looks like Kentucky's in a pretty good spot. Mm-hmm. Now, now we'll see, but things can change rapidly. <laughs> the, the the one everyone's watching for is Christian Lewis, obviously. And it, it's starting to look like Lane Kiffin's going to load up on receivers, and Ole Miss was the one to watch for there. Um, he's about to flip a Florida State commit, or he's already decommitted, but he's about to commit to Ole Miss. It's a four-star kid that goes to IMG. There was another Miss, uh, Mississippi State commit that just decommitted. Um, they think he's going to end up at Ole Miss. Ooh, so that they kind of got all their, they got their all their receivers right now. 
So that that's a good one. And then the, the last school there really is Texas A and M. And I Texas A and M, I don't I, I don't know too much about their recruiting class, but I mean we'll see if they make maybe put some late pressure on them. But as of right now, I think they feel good. Now Jimbo Fisher is a notorious late closer um, to come in late on some kids and really. Um, step on the gas and steal some for people. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I think you feel good um, from that end. And then um, I think it, uh, without the, the visits, you know, usually kids be taking last-minute visits right about now. Right. So right. we would know more. Um, mm-hmm. so unfortunately, there's no way to keep track of virtual visits <laughs> and Zoom conversations. Yeah, we can't. So like, we're not, we're not sure who's talking to who or whatnot. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of those happening right now. I have heard from, you know, might be some good news coming too. You know, just saying. I'm sh- yeah. Might be some good news coming Kentucky's way. There might be a replacement for Armand Scott coming. Mm-hmm. But and we'll Keep see if there's another that. another surprise. But we heard Vince Merrill talk this week on the Coaches Show about transfers. Um, I believe he said that they're – going after a couple of transfers. I think that's something to, to monitor mm-hmm. with the size of this class. I think they're at 17 commits right now. They can add like six if they really wanted to. Yeah. They can add a mm-hmm. lot. So it's that's something to just keep in mind. Um, and I think getting off as a coordinator is going to um, – they, they want to leave some wiggle room for whoever that's going to be um, to add maybe a, a late player or two on the offensive side of the football. Um, so that's not another thing to keep in mind with this class. So Kentucky could um, be more active this year in the second signing period than they were last year. Yeah, it's um, it's exciting, especially because it feels like there's a lot up in the air right now. That's what's going to make the show fun. Um, there, there, there's a lot up in the air right now. So uh, let's not dilly dally anymore. Like it. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of this. We got a coaching search, man, for the first time. We're doing a little 11 personnel coaching search. It's not head coaching search. I think, thankfully, um, that that probably wouldn't be a good thing. Um, but it is. Uh, Mark Stoops made it official Sunday afternoon that they're moving on from Grain and Henshaw after five seasons. And lucky, I know we talked about it at length last week. We kind of saw this coming. I don't. I don't think it, it, none of us were surprised, but. I will ask you something that some people have asked me, and I don't I don't have a good answer for this. The passing numbers have been what they've been. Never above 97th under Grandin Henshaw. It just it hasn't worked. But when when do you think Stoops knew that there was a change was going to come? It's a good question. I think the Missouri game. He knew it. He had to change something. Maybe not necessarily Eddie Grand, but that something had to change on that side of the ball to go out against Missouri and to play the way they did on offense. You know, thirty some plays in a game. Mm-hmm. So, so I definitely think that was a moment. And then you go out, you get blanketed at, against Georgia, and then something went on there behind the scenes with the Terry Wilson Joey Gatewood flip. Right. And then you come out. I just hugged him and loved him and all that kind of thing. So Terry plays well against Vanderbilt. But then he goes to Alabama and Florida, and it was pretty much the same thing we saw 
earlier in the season. So I think there's de- there's probably something to the fact that we need Terry, like the offense saying we can only do it with Terry, and then it's the same stuff you're getting. Right, right. So there might have been like a lack of flexibility type there was just kind of icing on the cake. Um, but overall, I think the more important part is that they like I I brought that stat up earlier where they scored uh, 15 points or less in like 38 percent of their SEC games. So that won't win you many games in the SEC. It's just not leaving your defense uh, much wiggle room. Um, and it's not it's not winning football. Um, to put it bluntly, and the offenses are only getting better. Um, college football in general. So you you can't win games 17-14 anymore. You got to be able to get the 30 points. Um, on a regular occasion. Kentucky just hasn't been able to do that. Um, and to do that, you have to create explosive plays. The easiest way to create explosive plays is in the pass game. So Kentucky is way behind the eight ball um, because of their passing offense, because they haven't really been able to get it up, on the gr- up off the ground, and they haven't been able to stretch the field vertically. Um, so it's made them easier to defend. And when you play teams that have bad run defenses, yeah, you can put up big numbers. But – in the SEC, usually most of these good defenses are stopping the run. And you're not going to beat teams when you can't we can't pass the ball. Like the Texas A&M game in 2018 is a perfect example of that. Kentucky has a really good team, has a chance to do really good things that year. You can make the case that they had a better team than Texas A&M. But the bottom line in that game was what one thing Texas A&M did really well was stop the run. And they weren't going to let Kentucky – run down their throat they stopped the run and Kentucky just needed to complete some passes to win the game just a few to win the game and they just couldn't do it couldn't do it and so it's that with I mean there's a bunch more uh, examples of that um but I think that's really the bottom line that he knew knew like they've they've established that winning culture Eddie Grant if it wasn't for Eddie Grant would be a defense coordinator more than likely like he saved his job. That the hire of Graham was a great hire. It helped establish them going a direction they wanted to go. Um, but after this run, things just aren't working. And in the Stoops press conference, I thought was very interesting. I had a couple comments, but one specifically was he pretty much admitted that it, that the Lynn Bowden experiment hurt them more than it helped them. And I mainly think that, in recruiting. That was the first time he admitted that. Um, they kind of alluded to it at different points, but I don't think they really knew like the development that those guys missed from that year was just substantial and significant. And even though you're like, it was a ton of fun, it just well, that on top of missing the spring too. Yeah. Like, I think that was a factor in all this too, was not having spring ball last year for the most part. Yeah. So um, you know, he, he admitted that he also, the thing that I, I, I liked like it is that he, uh, you can tell he's really sick and tired of the whole Stoops handcuffs his offense. He doesn't yeah. want an offense that scores point. Cause like just the notion behind it, like I, people got really hung up on what he said in that 2018 season, like when people were wanting to pass the ball more when Benny Snell football worked pretty well and he's like well, I mean what do you want me to do <laughs> you know like this is uh this is not a bad thing right now if and also it helps our defense that's how football works people got really hung up on that and and 
it turned into Stoops doesn't want to throw the football. Yeah. And well, I think there was definitely out. some uh when Neil Brown was here, there was definitely some headbutting, I think, between them those two about what was kind of the right way to do things and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where it started. Stoops being a young head coach, learning how to do it. And then the whole – the reason I think that's the thing is Shannon Dawson came out and said, I don't run Wildcat. We're not – that's not what we're doing. And then three weeks later, they're running Wildcat because the head coach wanted them to do it. <laughs> so, I mean, I understand why, where that comes from. But with Grant, I don't think that was there. I think there was a really good trust level between those two. Um, because those guys know, knew each and, other well. Another thing to keep to remember with all this in 2016, Mark Stoops had to totally take over the defense. Hmm. Totally take over. In 2017, yeah, 2017, he had a brand new defensive coordinator. He only worked for with with one year. He had to make sure he was doing you know what he wanted to do on that side of the ball. 2018, he's breaking in another brand new or 2019, breaking in another brand new defensive coordinator who never called plays before. Mm-hmm. So I think there's definitely something too, like that he's really focused on the defense and what they're doing and whatnot. And there was a trust level with Grant, and he just let them, you know, he trusted them and they ran the show. But I just think, at the end of the day, he's, he wants to pass the ball. I think the air raid kind of experiment honestly didn't work. But he, he knows he has, he has to throw the ball. I, I think if Stoops was really holding the offense and his offensive coaches under his thumb, Kentucky would be running Wildcat a lot, a lot this year. I also think if he was really holding them under his thumb, Chris Rodriguez would have had a lot more carries than 25 carries a game. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah, exactly. And and I apologize if y'all hear some uh, noise I, in the background. I think HVAC thing. And getting to that recruiting factor, I think that's why you saw them come out and try to throw it against Missouri. Yeah. Wow, they threw it 37 okay. times against Auburn. Right, right. They were trying to prove they could pass the ball to quiet all that noise. Especially the, the Jordan Watkins thing that happened. Yeah. yeah, the problem was they just couldn't get it done this year, and it made everything look worse. Well, not only have they, they started to put that emphasis in recruiting, but, I mean, I'm not going to publish it every time that they talk about it on KSR because, I mean, he got asked about it almost once a week towards the end of the season. But the amount of times he talked about just the overall trajectory needing to pass it more, that's been happening for a year. So I'm not buying it. I am buying that they are going to get that. that that's obviously going to be a, a focus of this offensive, offensive coordinator hire. And like it, we've, we, we talked about it last week, how there's not an obvious choice. And we've thrown a lot of names out there on KentuckySportsRadio.com. And I think between what we've heard, what we know he knows, and, and what he shared with us in the press conference, I think we can get a general idea of how things are working. But I don't, I, I, I still can't tell exactly which, which direction he's leaning because he said, you know what? We don't need a guy, doesn't need to know me before, but I need to know what he's going to do. You know, uh, I've got the full financial backing of the university, um, but you know, I, I, you said cast a wide net. I know he didn't say that, but I think he said all options are on the table or something like that. So, I 
you're going to see, I think, some different names pop up here and there that are more favorites than other. One that you pulled out, I really liked. Pep Hamilton. He was the OC. Brad White was with in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked with Andrew Luck previously. It's kind of how he got the gig because he was Andrew Luck's offense coordinator at Stanford. Uh, and then goes to the Colts when Luck's there. Uh, and he was an XFL coach. Uh, I'm trying to think of a few other gigs he had as well off the top of my head. I guess he worked with Harbaugh in Michigan for a, a year or two. Yeah, he was – the Michigan had that weird thing where Harbaugh wouldn't say he was the offensive coordinator who was calling plays. He called it like a thank tank kind of thing. So you didn't really know was – he, was he calling plays? Was he not? Um, that's not something we knew what he was doing. But, yeah, he's been he's been a lot of time in the NFL – um, he was just a D.C. defenders head coach. I believe they had one of the better offenses in the XFL that, in that short time. Yeah, uh, I think Justin – not jo- Josh Johnson maybe was their quarterback. Or – no, no, no. It was Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones, yeah. And then they replaced him with – With the guy who's at Carolina now, who's Bridgewater's backup, I think. No, I think he played for someone else. Um, the guy that just – P.J. Walker. Yeah, he, he just he, played. He just played well in the game he got in for Bridgewater a couple weeks ago. You're right. He was with the the Houston team, like the Roughnecks or something. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. right. Man, it's sad that I know XFL quarterbacks as well. Nevertheless, a big reason why I like Pep too. Having a guy like Pep as your coordinator and offense coach, like Pep knows what the hell he's doing. And also, mm-hmm. Pep's a great guy to just curse at whenever you're mad ah oh, you stinking pep come on like pep's just a great name for a football guy the only thing i would say about hamilton is when you look at that michigan and stanford kind of experiment the michigan thing was they were not good on offense like it was bad at all. so when now you they like- were at stanford football was a little different back then um, right but the reason why i think he would at least be considered if you know he wanted the job is because stoops is Big thing, you know, he's he's like, we're not doing the Mississippi State thing. <laughs> he didn't call him out by name, and he's like, you see in this league, you go from one extreme to the other, it doesn't work. Well, I think the NFL thing, um, the main reason I think you do that is you want to get play-action pass game um, mixed in with what you're doing right now, which is running the ball at a pretty good clip. And if you figure out a way to get that involved, um, that could cure a lot of ills. Um, just being able to hit teams with some play action stuff. Um, so obviously, I think that I think that's still allure there. Um, it's just where, what kind of branch are you going to go off of? And I think a big part in in this is Greg Minuski, the quality control guy mm-hmm. right now, who was in the NFL for a long time. Um, it's tight with Brad White. We've heard Stoops talk about him a couple times. I mean, that, that's a guy I could see um, Stoops maybe leaning on a little bit in this coaching search because of some of his connections in the NFL, if that's a route they want to go. Right. He, he was around 20-some-odd years um, at a bunch of different stops. And so he's worked with a lot of people. And I think Stoops, kind of how Grand was, uh, you know, an older guy he could bounce ideas off of, I think he really likes having Minuski around because n- not only for that part, but also he's a defensive guy. And – let's be real like those defensive guys they stick together you know it's just so so yeah there's a there's a role called chief of staff that's starting to become popular around the college football world um 
and basically it's you're you're pretty much your head coach is kind of right hand man like mm-hmm. Dan, like Dave Mullen hired Paul Pasqualoni, who was Syracuse UConn head coach. He's in the NFL for a long time. That's what he does. He's kind of, I guess he's kind of just, you know, a guy that a head coach can lean on for game plan or whatever, just whatever. Yeah. I would be surprised. What I'm getting pretty, at is I would be surprised if Manuski uh, gets that title because it's a way to give him maybe a pretty sizable pay bump and more kind of coaching duties. Brez has had it for the longest time. He, yeah. Yeah, he was the first one to get it. I could see them shifting him or something like that. They, they deal with a lot of recruiting stuff, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, everyone's different. You can use it in different ways. There's not really a one specific set of right, uh, right. tasks you need to complete. I think everybody would be different in that. Well, it's just something I thought that could he could potentially do. And I think another one too is they keep tabs on what people are saying. Like Stoops ain't got time to read what's on, mm-hmm. you know, KSR or House of Blue. But you know, the chief of staff can have their pulse on what people are saying, and, and that could influence what who they ultimately decide to yeah. go to in this hire to an extent. Uh, a couple other names, like I, I love that. There's a couple of the uh, the other hell. Let me just pull up the list here. There was one that uh, John John Clay threw out Eric or Kafka from the Chiefs. Matt Kafka. Yeah, which would be great if you could get the Chiefs quarterback coach, but that dude's going to end up placing Eric Bieniemy. Whenever, mm-hmm. like, how that guy doesn't well, have a job yet. The one thing to watch for there is if. Doug Peterson is going to get fired, the Eagles head coach. Which? If Andy Reid, because I believe he worked for Reid before, if Reid just brought him back down there to be his. Oh, it is a good point. Quarterback's coach. Yeah. Um, offense coordinator. That's something to watch, because I don't know how highly he thinks of Kafka or whatnot, but just something to, something to keep um, in the vault. Well, and as you'll, when we go through some of these names, like, a lot of the snowballing, it, it really is a game of dominoes. Yeah. Where Matt Nagy's guy, another one Andy Reid could bring back because he's probably going to get fired from the Bears too. And I believe he came off the Reid tree as well. Yeah, in uh, like Press Taylor, who that is such a country club name, Press Taylor. Sounds like, like a Texas quarterback. Yeah. Uh, he's Zach Taylor's younger brother who is only 32 years old. He's got that – young good looking like he he has all of the look of a guy who's going to be big in, in the coaching rink soon and he might want to hop out of the philadelphia train carson Wentz just got benched the time might be right to get the hell out of there that's uh, true you know where press taylor is from uh tulsa no well he went to high school norman norman, norman. oklahoma yes uh at yeah. about the time when bob stoops would have been really rolling yeah. Didn't go to the Oklahoma, though. No, he went to community college. I think that's what his brother did. His brother transferred from somewhere then ended up in Nebraska, and then Press ended up at Marshall. He had recruiting interest from Louisville, apparently. He was a GA at Tulsa. That's why I could tell so. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's stuck on my head. Uh, Jed Fish, who I just – I mean, that sounds like a guy that – like. Oh, good old Jed down there, the watering hole. If you uh, <laughs> if you follow the coaching search at all, you've seen Jed Fish's name a hundred times, and the main reason why is Bruce Feldman has plugged him for about 
78 jobs in the last three seasons. I think Bruce and Jed get together and drink some beers in the off season. <laughs> Bruce anyway, and Jed. Just there's there is a Bruce and a Jed drinking beers as we speak somewhere in America. Oh, I guarantee it. <laughs> there's guarantee a Bruce it. and Jed somewhere enjoying a cold one. Well, Jed Fish had a had an interesting a uh, career because he he didn't play ball in college. He he walked. He went to Florida. Didn't walk. Didn't play or anything. He would write Spurrier, like while he was in high school, and was like, "I want to come, you know, I want to come tutor under you or something." Blah 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 blah. And then like he just showed up one day, and Spurrier was like, "You're the kid that's been writing me this whole time," and he let him be like, I don't know, a manager or something. And then he he worked at he uh, worked under Florida or under Spurrier while he was there, and then it's kind of uh, been everywhere. Uh, most recently was UCLA's offensive coordinator. Um, the last year they had Rosen when they, he had a pretty good season, um, and he had he worked with Harbaugh too. Mm-hmm. So he was in the think tank. Right, he was in the think tank, but he was there when their offense was actually good that first two Harbaugh seasons, and then he left, and that's when things really started to get ugly. Um, but he's a guy that I I could see working out because um, Sean McVay worked with Greg Minuski for the Redskins mm-hmm. and Sean McVay went from there to be the Ramsey coach. And since he's been there, he's kind of been the golden boy in the NFL. If you know, Sean McVay, you might get a head coaching job. Zach Taylor was the quarterback's coach, got the Bengals head coaching job simply mm-hmm. because he worked for Sean McVay. Yeah. Cliff that, Kingsbury that was, was friends with Sean McVay and that <laughs> helped him get the Arizona Cardinals job. So there's definitely, um, Matt LaFleur was that comes uh, with McVega, that. who, right? Yeah, right? Matt LaFleur was a yeah, Packers. McVega. So it's it's everywhere. If you're a McVega, you're doing well. And one of those uh, name that's come up, Shane Waldron, I think I'm saying that right. Yes. He's been the quarterback's coach there for four years now. Promoted the pass game coordinator here recently. Right. Um, so th- that, that that's a name of interest. Um a name to keep an eye on, but uh, I think the one thing you noted, Luckett, since you are unfortunately a Bengals fan, uh, you, you you noted that he had he did interview for that head coaching vacancy when it came up, and Taylor got it. Um, so maybe and there's a speculation that he was one of Orgeron's candidates to replace Joe Brady. Right. So, like, if getting that guy might be too big of an ask. Like he's mm-hmm. the, he, he's highly sought after, so he can kind of uh, wait out his jobs. But, uh, you know, if you're able to convince a McVay guy, I mean, to come to UK, you want an offense that's exciting and sells tickets, uh, getting a guy from the McVay uh, coaching tree would, would certainly do that. And here's the thing about these, these NFL guys. Um, a trend starting to develop, I think, and I think the main reason for this is NFL – cup of tea right now is to hire like this young cutting edge offensive minds and all those guys come into the head coaching chair and they're calling plays. So what that does, that takes away jobs in the NFL for some of these other guys. So it's harder to break in to be a play caller. Either you have to be a head coach or you got to join up with a defensive head coach, which not many of those guys are being hired right now. And so for these guys to kind of break in, they're going to have to move to college. Um, to kind of break that seal, I think. 
And so maybe that's an avenue Kentucky um, experiments with. Washington, Boston College, California all made OC hires last year, and they all hired NFL staffers. Um, so maybe that's a trend we're about to see, and maybe Kentucky's going to jump on it. But I think that's a, an important thing to remember is that I think there's there's a void there for some of these coaches um, where coming to college could make sense for a lot of them because it allow them to get allow them to get some play calling experience. Man, I was just trying to think of who even is a defensive coach head coach right now in the NFL. Mike Tomlin. I was gonna say Tomlin. Best one. Bill. I mean Belichick. Yeah. There's some. There's some out there, but you got the recent hires. You you just go through the last couple of years, and it's just it's not very well, many. Vic Fangio is the only one I can really think of. <laughs> It's funny because it's like the inverse of head coaching hires where they're hiring guys from college now. Even Matt Rule. Um, yeah, well, they, that's another thing. I think that's about to start happening. I think we're going to see some college head well, coaches get plucked. And, and they're, it's, they're, they're culture guys. You know, they're like, we, we want to we change the culture to this. This is the, the buzzword right now, uh, which, don't get me wrong, it's important. I don't know how exactly – tangible it is to measure culture or whatever or how good you are doing that but you know what G give matt rule and the panthers credit like they've been better than expected in year one with absolutely nobody except for christian mccaffrey and he's been hurt for half the year they've been they've been competitive Frisky. pretty much every week yeah they they're 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 not they're they're not out of the games even when they got pj walker they got an xfl quarterback in there mm -hmm. Uh, and they're still doing work. So it's it's kind of funny to see how the tables have turned. There's one name that's technically in the NFL ranks that I just don't want to see, and that's Matt Canada. First off, just cue the blame Canada gifts. Like, I, no, not – don't want to deal with that. And the the Ed Orgeron, I feel like his hires are either striking gold or – diarrhea like there's no in between it's like good bad i mean i thought he was going to murder like commit a murder <laughs> on the sidelines this weekend of bo polini like bo polini has taken years off of coach o's life and I, I think canada while it wasn't as bad there was a uh, there was a lot of friction there a lot of friction there kentucky hosts lsu next year how about you hire Canada, bring on Polini as a QC, <laughs> and then you just got those dudes scheming all offseason to beat that guy. <laughs> just oh, the Super Bowl man. was when Kentucky hosts LSU. God. You get those two guys with that, uh, Kentucky's beating LSU. I'm, you just write it up right then. <laughs> but, yeah, more than Canada, it, his scheme, I like his scheme. He's just, by all accounts, he's just a – he's a hard guy to deal with, like not, not really uh, the easiest guy to work with. Well, so that's know. why you've seen him bounce around so many places, but I think his scheme would be something that Stoops would like, but I don't know if that's going to, it's going to fly. And I also think he wants to be a head coach. Like I think that's probably his next move, either stay in the NFL or get a, like a Mac job, like a head coach at a Mac school or something like that. I don't think he's wanting to jump in and take orders from somebody anymore. Well, if there's one thing I know about Mark Stoops, he's not stubborn or bullheaded in the slightest. So that would work out great. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you, you took the sarcasm. There was, there was, I, I wondered how many people would actually think I was serious when I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe Kentucky basketball dropped out of the top 25. Didn't see that coming. 
there there was there were some people out there like it who didn't didn't get the couldn't take the hit. Speaking of top twenty fives, Missouri made the playoff top twenty five this week. Don't stop. Don't make me say <laughs> nice things about Eli Drinkwitz. Man, I just I'm just thinking about this year since the season has been over. And really the it came down to four games. You had knowing what we know now that Mississippi State, South Carolina, Vanderbilt were all pretty bad. Kentucky wins okay, you'll win those three. Right. Um Georgia, Florida, Alabama are all in the top ten. Okay, you're probably gonna lose all three of those. I think, with, I think we mixed we thought Mississippi State and Missouri would be flipped. As yeah, but I good. I also thought I thought I thought Mississippi State would be bad. Maybe not as bad as they've been, but I thought Missouri would be down there when really they they haven't been. Yeah, because they had a quarterback, Basil, yeah. pretty damn good. And so anyway, you had the four games in the middle, like the you had really the schedule was in three tiers. Um, you had the tier three, Kentucky beat all of them. Tier one, Kentucky lost to all of them. wasn't close in any of the games. And then tier two, you really had four close games, and Kentucky went one and three in those games. And in all, all four of those games, all, th- all four of those games, Kentucky was ended in the fourth quarter and found a way to lose Ole Miss, Missouri, and Auburn. And that that really, that really stinks because that's that's just if you win one more of those, I think the season's a little bit different. You win two more, and Kentucky's probably not going through a, a coordinator change. No, you're 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 right about that um, because winning does cure most all ills. Um, and I, I was just looking at the SEC standings, and there really is a haves and have-nots, and Kentucky's right smack dab in the middle of them. And mm-hmm. things go just a little bit differently in a game or two, and you're kind of in there with the haves instead of just like I, – I think Kentucky might even be the only four-win SEC team. There's, there's zero wins, one wins, two wins, one win, uh, five wins, seven, eight. But I, I think that Kentucky might be the only four-win team right now. Um, so it's kind of a mess, kind of a mess in the middle of there. Now, Yeah, it's just um, just football. That's how it breaks sometimes. And we just thought this year that with an experienced team, senior quarterback, they would they would fare well in those close games. And the fact of the matter was they didn't. They, they couldn't right. hit it right in, the, in those situations. And that's why you – that's really the reason you got to that four and six record, I think. It's just – those those games are in the middle where you need to win. They just went the wrong way this year. The experience didn't pay off like you thought, and the passing game didn't take the steps that we we thought it would make. I mean, I don't think any of us expected them to be world beaters, but better, like at least average, and they were far below it. Mm-hmm. Far far below it. You can't so, be likes of the military academies. I got a question for you, Nick. This time next week. Where will we be in the offensive coordinator search? We'll be at the what it's signing day eve, or we'll I think that's a recording on signing day. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wait until after the it's signed, sealed, and delivered. So, okay. so this, when we get when we get on there next week, where where do you think we'll be in the OC search? I don't think we'll be any further along than we are right now. Do you think we'll know we'll have a better idea of who the top choices are? Maybe. I really think it's not something that we're going to find out to the ball game, and that's just – I mean, some of that is me uh, 
just imagining like like I'm going back to John L leaving at halftime of the GMAC bowl. <laughs> but I feel like in a lot of these bowl games you get like I remember Pat Narduzzi being up in the booth for a game. Like I, I just feel like in my mind I've seen the talking about new coach during bowl game thing a lot. So I'm imagining that happening. And that's really what it's all rooted in because I do think Stoops is going to have to weed through plenty of folks. And in the meantime, he's also recruiting a ton too. So I, I think he's, he's, as he said, he's more, he doesn't need to have a coordinator by sign today. He's more worried about getting the right guy. And that's exactly what you said a week ago. That's much more important than rushing through this search because it's, it's a very important hire. If it's an NFL staffer, their regular season does not end to January 3rd. And I would think that even if they're in the playoffs or not, they're bare minimum going through regular season. Yes, that's what that. I think that's a fair assumption. In, so if it's going to be an NFL guy, it's probably going to happen that week after what's it called? Black Monday in the NFL when they fire all the coaches. Yeah, yeah. It'll be sometime that week. You're looking like January 5th, well, 6th, 7th it also if it's an NFL guy. No, if things would be reported and they would just finish like their last game the week of. That's why I was optimistic about the bowl game because more than likely you're looking at Liberty Bowl, which is New Year's Eve. So that's what the uh, the Thursday, the Thursday before the NFL Sunday. So like mm-hmm. I could see a report coming out like during the game. I don't think it would be like the Shane Beamer report we got. I mean five minutes after the game ended <laughs> it was going oh, to be official he could not like i bet that was he could not wait to hit sin he was just waiting <laughs> for that game and that game like drug on that was probably the longest game kentucky played all year that fourth quarter really it, just got whew. imagine being on that south carolina beat like we wouldn't even i don't even know if we would have said anything about the game it would have just been all coaching search oh and well it was they were asking him uh, they were asking bobo about I heard, it. yeah i went and watched that and he was like he looked at the sid and was like yeah, even say really? Yeah, and like the reporters like explaining to him what's going on, and I mean, because Bobo knew the writing was on the wall, but it's also like, yeah, what do I, what do I even do right now? Which speaking of, Bobo uh, gave line. Did you hear that from? Uh, he goes, did you hear that from? You no, know, Ray Tanner or anybody in South Carolina or just some beat writer, and the guy was like Bruce Feldman, and he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> like if Bruce <laughs> Feldman said it, it's probably legit. right, right. Yeah. Now uh, I know you had Bobo on your initial list um, on the, on the first KSR hot board. Uh, we also threw out a uh, a little Lincoln Rally out there. Although I think he's ultimately going to right, he's going to end up being Bobo's replacement at Carolina. And that kind of Garrett like, Riley, Lincoln's yeah. brother. Yes, I, that's what it seems like. We haven't heard any more since Beamer was hired, but that was kind of I think that was the sell during the coaching search, which. We're going to get into this. Pretty much South Carolina let everything loose through their coaches. We know exactly what happened in South Carolina's coaching search. There wasn't, There's not many secrets. Um, uh, Bob Caslin, um, who's known to maybe <laughs> pop off at the mouth every once in a while, and Ray Tanner were not hiding stuff from people. And so I, that, that sounds like the sell that Garrett Riley and maybe Coastal Carolina's defensive coordinator are going to be the two guys that Beamer targets to bring to Columbia. Well – all right, so let's just talk about the South Carolina here thing for a second because it turned Louisville into a mess 
because Scott Satterfield, I mean, is he is he just naive? I don't I don't know how you could butcher a I'm just going to casually flirt with another school more so than he did because he did just enough flirting to anger the masses, but then still went and met with them when he wasn't going to get the job and everybody knew it. That's what never made sense to me in the entire thing. We all, like, we've been, I've been coming on here for three weeks or two weeks now saying Shane Beamer is going to be South Carolina's head coach. That's not because so, <laughs> I've got inside sources at South Carolina. It's just what they were telling people for two weeks. It was, I was not, I, I came on here two weeks and said, they're just wasting everybody's time. We need to just hire Shane Beamer and get this thing over with. Like, what right, are we get waiting the show on? on the road? Yeah. So, I, the, the, the sad thing, number one, something's going on there behind. Like, it's not a good fit. Like, he's not comfortable here. Uh, maybe he's worried about the team in the next couple years because um, they lose a lot. obviously hates it here because he's over there. Uh, his answer to, well, what's the difference between players being all in and coaches? Well, coaches, you know, they got families. They got to think of career. Players, it's just one of them. It's like, oh, they don't yeah. have families at all. Like what? Yeah. This is insane. Right, right. In state <laughs> recruiting uh, has been awful. the The fan base is uh, they bit back at him a little bit this year with yeah. some of the results. He thought he but built. That's up. what happens when you have a minus twenty turnover margin or whatever they have. Oh, it's uh, it's. Like I mean, it's just been sloppy this year. They've lost like four one possession games. Um. So maybe he's just, and this is. This is the thing with Satterfield, though. This was his first time being out of that the bubble, right? Pretty much, and into like big time football. And like when he did the L's down, we all laughed and joked about it. But that was like that was just weird. Like, why would you make a big deal out of that? You look like such a like a high school teacher for getting mad at a kid for doing something silly. Like this is just kind of being in a rivalry. You just look very small time doing something like this. And this is another thing where he's looked small time. And I think a big thing in this, like if Mark Stoops is in a pressure cooker kind of situation as a head coach, he can call his brother, his other brother, mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher, and ask for advice. Like, what should I do here? How would you handle this kind of thing with the media? Like, I don't know if Satterfield has that that person to bounce things off of. Because he's going into these things – with not really a plan and it's showing and he's sticking his foot in his mouth over and over. And then mobile has got that, 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 that we're relationship with our head coaches where. Because they, they've been spurned so many times. Like they've been, well, they, they've been told by their, I mean, they did it to themselves hiring Petrino the second time. They right. haven't, ex- right. They haven't but, accepted that they're really a stepping stone job, which is not a bad thing. Not a bad place because now it doesn't matter you're in the acc now it doesn't matter like if somebody wants to leave like fine you'll go hire somebody else you, right. you're good your job's good enough now where you can go find another coach but they they're still like you saw on twitter they want the football denny crumb well i don't i'm not i'm gonna tell you a little secret like co- football coaches don't hang places very long like if you get six seven years out of them and it's you know you go I mean, to a few bowl games have a couple 25 finishes Eric Crawford good. just shared all of the columns he wrote for the Courier Journal over the years of Louisville coaches 
basically just flirting with other teams or, you know, just all of the will they, won't they leave. And then (laughs) this is a quote from John L. Smith after leaving. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. And the, the headline of the article is John gives them L in farewell. And his quote is really, I don't think there's any ownership here from the fans. They think that the coach and players are going to put this thing at another level. <laughs> he basically just said, man, you're going to accept that y'all suck. <laughs> like, I don't think. Oh no, you broke up on me. He had another quote in there that pretty much said, I don't think our fans understand the college football hierarchy. Like how this kind of stuff works. Like you're going to leave a CUSA job for a big 10 job, which was what Michigan state was And like Petrino. He like, it was a conference USA job. Yes. He's going to want an sec job when Auburn calls, he's obviously going to want there. So like, I, they're definitely that, that situation. Um, they, like they think they're looking for uh, the basketball or the football version of Denny Crump. Like I, I saw that tweeted out by multiple people this week and that's just not happening. Like being a stepping stone is you're in a power five conference. Yeah, now. You can be a stepping stone, like embrace it. If you like, this is where good coaches go to go. <laughs> yeah. This is where good coaches go to go to the next level. And eventually you'll get a good coach that won't want to leave. That'll just stay. Well, in, 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 to, in fairness for them, even when coaches have had success, and that's why like, it's a good thing that they're moving on because they've done good things at your program. They never have success at their second stop. Now, granted, like Petrino did at Arkansas for a little while, but that was after he the Falcons thing failed. Uh, but like Charlie Strong at Texas was getting heckled by boosters from day one. Uh, you know, like that was an odd thing from the jump. For, yeah. So like, just buzz- for them, they're like, why are you leaving us for th- – why are you leaving us for that girl when we're better for you anyway? You know, so I get where they're coming from, but uh, – and and they should be pissed right now. Like the whole Satterfield – is Satterfield doing this after one good year, thinking he's built up all this goodwill, well, you're kind of losing some of it just by sucking yeah, this Well, year. he's just burned, he's terrible, burned through all the same team from that person. It's gone. <laughs> now those recruiting misses are going to be magnified. Just like that. Like in the offseason and all that, type well, of, like all that type of stuff. Their schedule next year is brutal. Oh man, and it was even weirder. They, they, they have the – his press conference and it fails. So then they have this PR campaign through the kids tweeting out stuff. And so Tutu's tweeting about how much he loves Scott Satterfield. And then, oh yeah, I'm opting out. But wait, I'm not opting out. Like, what what just what is it's going mess, on? Over for sure. There? That that is wheels are spinning. Yeah, you've man. seen kind wheels of the, uh, the media uh, uh circle the wagons and or them trying to get out in the media and people tweet through social media saying how good of a guy he is and so on, so on. But important thing to remember here is his buyout's only $5 million. And that's part of the reason I think he wanted that extension. Um, was to, to beef that up. Yeah. Beef it up a little bit. Because it, that, that drops down to $3.5 well, million. Um, I think at the end of January, 
So he, he could go in. Well, number one, like he's a loss away in another bad Paris conference from getting fired. Like I firmly think that's on the table. If you would have talked to me this time yesterday, I would have said he's getting fired on, on Saturday or on Sunday. Now I've kind of backtracked it a little bit um, since it seems like the, you know, the players are defending and whatnot, but you know, who knows what, if something could, it could be a Moorhead situation type of thing where he goes and says something stupid and then they're just like, let's just, we got the money. Let's just make it happen. Let's make a move right now. So I, I, I would. The, is there going to be a dog? I, I don't know. In, in the Wakey come back to haunt him maybe finally. <laughs> you know, who hasn't forgot about Wakey Leaks? Are you, <laughs> that, oh, Wake Forest. Dave Clawson has not yeah, forgotten about Wakey right Leaks. They forgot about it. No, he has not forgot about it at all i uh the the one thing i i really am looking forward to we mentioned contract extensions and whatnot uh i I love that the word out of michigan was that oh harbaugh's not getting fired he's getting an extension well it the quote-unquote extension was we are redoing your contract to lower your base structuring this contract right also lower your buyout yeah exactly so we're making it easier for us to fire you. Uh, but we're going to keep you around because we can't really not at this point. Um, and, and, oh, by the way, you you are getting out of playing Ohio State because yeah, of COVID stuff. That's just so assuring him just making fun a year next year. Um, Illinois did a similar thing with Lovey Smith um, where it would made them made it easier for them to fire him if it got bad enough. Um, so that that's really – they're just saving themselves from – having to do that and not playing Ohio state. It's going to help just from the optics point of view. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I love too, that this year would have been one of the few times that anybody would have cared about the old Oak and bucket. Cause you wouldn't have had Ohio state, Michigan. And then not only does Purdue, Indiana does too, problems, it sounds like then Indiana has them too. So like that, that game's not going to get played. And I know, People were like, oh, well, just go ahead and play Indiana with somebody else. I mean, it's just, it's not going to end up working. I guess AM's looking for a game that they're not. Is the SEC going to, will they uh, let them? It's my question. It'd be fun to make it a, a yeah, that'd be, that's with the Ohio State. easy answer. That'd be really cool. Yeah. And, and I mean, look at what we saw from BYU Coastal. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just awesome. So I don't think we would expect the same. And I think if it's A&M too, like, I mean, playing a prove-it game against some teams is one thing, but doing it against Ohio State, like if you're A&M, you kind of just hope the committee like just says, all right, screw you guys. But they still had Ohio State at fourth. So I don't know what they're they're thinking. They're not passing the chance of having a playoff of Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Like they're just not passing that up. Yeah, that's the best I they could do. From a, all the people, you know, people of like bluster in one way or the other, because mm-hmm. you got to have stuff to talk about. But you know, eyeballs, they'll have a way, lot like, of eyeballs for I'm, that, especially in COVID when everybody's at home. I'm, I'm totally with you on the the playoff talk. Has to just like it's bad, man. Up it's bad. Like they're exhausting us, man. It, because the thing of that ESPN, they're not good. Like they try to grasp onto something that's very palatable to everyone. And I don't like a, a, somebody who's a real like they, they try to get to all the casual fans. And I hate that. Like I'm 
Granted, it's because I'm a you know a hardcore fan, but they try to casual fan it with everybody. And you know what? Like those people don't really pay attention to what the pundits are saying anyway. Like if the, the, they'll watch, they'll watch first take or something. You don't need this on every, like every second of every minute of college football live or what, whatever your shows are, your sports centers. Like I, I just, I'm with you, man. I don't need this playoff talk all the time because the fact of the matter is when they do these ranking shows, none of it matters until, you know, there's, I mean, I guess there's two weeks to go now. So it, like I can kind of pay attention to it a little bit, but up until this point, I, I would have done fine with absolutely zero college football playoff. Though. Yeah. I mean, even just in the games, like through Kentucky's playing, um, like you could go back and watch the Kentucky Louisville game last year, um, a pretty big rivalry game. And I guarantee you 10 minutes of the broadcast is filled with them showing the rankings, talking about who, who these, these two C team announcers on the sec network would put who's their top four in the playoff. Like, no one watching that game gives a damn about your top four. Like, stop. Matt Stinchcomb telling his – No one cares. Oh, I think and it, should be in there. And it just what? takes so much Come of the on. oxygen all season. That's all they talk about. Like, you watch game day. I mean, I don't watch game day every week, but I do on certain weeks. And it could just be any type of the season that's all they're talking about. Who do this, do that in the playoff? You need to do this, do that. It's just like – it's just exhausting. And I think – with college basketball, that's how it gets with the tournament, which obviously the tournament's the best thing college basketball has, but it also, I think, it kind of it, – I'm trying to think of the word here. It just diminishes the value of their regular season. It, it mitigates – So There you go. So yeah, people, I like that. Uh, yeah. Keep pounding it down, and then you talk yourself into thinking, well, people don't care about it, so let's have Mark Teixeira on and interview him during a basketball game. Let's have Ian Book on and interview him during a Virginia Tech Clemson game. And then you're just like, what? Like that what is made going on? no sense at all. Like we're here, and and John Clay wrote about it in the Herald later today. The, the amount of I just want to cater to so and so with random interviews. Like we're here to watch a game. We're not here to talk. Like, I get if things get boring, you know, it can turn into a baseball game. But this isn't baseball, okay? We don't need to talk about everything. Like, there, there's action happening. Let's talk about it's what's the, happening um, on the field. It just shows you that ESPN just doesn't – they don't care about college basketball. I mean, it's it's volume for them to put on their network. But, they don't. I mean, I, it takes up a lot of airtime. It takes up a lot of airtime. Uh, super great numbers with it. I guess when they talk about it, not a lot of people pay attention. So – they're trying to add some, I guess, spice to it um, by putting, you know, a big name on there. Like, like it's, is Mark Teixeira's fan club going to, yeah, you know, Teixeira, tune in really for – Oh, he's being interviewed on the Kentucky North State basketball game <laughs> on an NFL Sunday afternoon. Like, the only people watching that are Kentucky and Which, Georgia Tech fans, really. And then, like, so maybe diehard basketball people. Yeah. I felt bad that Cincinnati Xavier, like, I, I was happy that game went, like, I watched a little bit of it, it going is. into the game. That's a great rivalry. It should not have been on NFL Sunday. That's probably, like, I would put that as third best rivalry. It's in up there. Basketball. I'm trying to think of a football game equivalent. It's kind of yeah, like I, the Egg Bowl if Ole Miss and Mississippi State were a little bit better. Because Xavier and Cincinnati are kind of like top 25 programs, I would say. Yeah. And if they were in yeah. the same town, too. But Cl- like, Right, and you you only get that in college basketball. But the vitriol is you can have the vitriol is like like big five on that level. Know? It feels like God, 
the zip them up thing is one of my favorite things that's ever happened. And you know what? It was easy to pick a side when Cronin and Mac were there because like Chris or Mick Cronin's one of the easiest people mm-hmm. to hate in the universe. Just everything about him is unlikable and add to it that he was a Patino guy. Very easy to hate Cincinnati. Now John Brandon's there who is, uh, you know, Norse force guy in KU. So I kind of want to like him. Um, I think Cincinnati but, has great I basketball jerseys. I've always liked in yeah, the, the red and the black. The I've always the loved their basketball jerseys. They used to have the Duncan Bearcat, were, I think. Who is this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was really cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the guy's name who played. He played when we were in like middle Air kicks. He came off the bench and just shot threes. No. Um Oh man, he was a little guy. It would have been like oh three. He was probably six man of the on year Cincinnati? in college basketball. That guy, yeah, like a guard yeah, for Cincinnati. Steve Logan. Yeah. No, he had a weird name too. Sure. This gonna drive me nuts. And one of my buddies could tell me. I could ask him in two seconds. He would know because we used to play with him in that college basketball yeah. video game all the time back when that those mattered. But nevertheless, oh, man, and Google can't even help me out. I'll find out later, and <laughs> I'll end up posting it in the body of the podcast just because it's going to annoy the hell out of me. It was like Tip or Hunter or I don't know, uh, Bigsby, Tigsby. Oh, it's, all right, I got to stop. I got to stop. All right, look, it, let's wrap this up. Signing days next week. Coaching search heating up. Uh, I kind of gave my prediction earlier where I don't think much is going to happen. Do you think much will happen? The only thing know, I'll say is Kel Gundy's a name I've floated out there. Um, if you're going college guys, I think that guy would make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. There's a, obviously the Oklahoma connection. You look at signing days on the 16th. Oklahoma's scheduled to play in the Big 12 championship on the 19th. We would pro- If he's going to be the guy, we probably will learn about it next week. If he's not the guy, then he, I would think uh, most surely they're going NFL. That's just that's where you sit right now. Um, so really this next week I think it's right. going – if we don't really hear anything, I think all, all our minds should probably go with probably an NFL guy. Um, or they're going – or they're getting down to maybe option two, three, four um, if, we, if we don't hear anything. Yeah, and uh, I would just like to – point out too that the thing that i like about this podcast like it is we can kind of shed light on some things you know there's a reason that everybody wrote their oh nfl and like everybody wrote about nfl assistance in every outlet that you can find kentucky sports knowledge on over the last 24 hours that happened for a reason so just take that for what you will or they're I'm trying to get you off the scent. Zigging when they get That's you zagging. And, and honestly, dude, I, I've already faked myself out on the NFL thing twice today. <laughs> so uh, this will be a fun little experiment for us because this is, hell, this is the first time I've, I've really gone I've through. I've read six heavy, so. articles today uh, on Sean McVay's scheme. I have, <laughs> I could scout a Sean McVay offense right now. 
Oh, that's where we're at. It's going to be exciting the month of December, even though football's uh, not happening right now. Uh, things are just getting heated up. It's cold outside, but it's heating up right here go. on 11 personnel. Football weather is here and Kentucky's done, unfortunately. Hey, what's, yeah, yeah. We uh, enjoy Army Navy this weekend. Uh, and we'll be back signing day night. It's going to be a little trio, triumvirate. Me, Luckett, Freddie Maggard. Telling you everything about the signing class. And who knows? Kentucky might have an offensive coordinator. Until then, we'll see you all next week on 11 Personnel. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. Go Cats. Go Crowley.